In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors, to care for the most vulnerable among us, and to reduce the burden on healthcare workers in our community, we are worshiping via podcast for the time being. But we worship in the joy of the resurrection because this is the season of Easter. Two weeks ago was Easter Sunday, and we recognized that, that Jesus was raised by God from the dead. And we continue to live in that joy uh, for several weeks afterwards, as, you know, as well as the rest of the year. Uh, but we pay special attention to it at this time of year. Because it's easy to forget in a world that is burdened with sorrows, that is still not completely under the fullness of the kingdom. We live under the lordship of Christ, but the kingdom is not yet at its fullness because Christ does not directly rule over his people physically. Our world has not yet been transformed into the fullness of the new creation. And we know this because of things like what's happened around our country in the past week. In the past week, we've seen two mass shootings We've seen two young men whose lives have been senselessly ended. And we know that our world is not yet fully made new, but we continue to hold out hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the reign of Jesus Christ as Lord of our world. And in our own neighborhoods and communities and families and towns, Followers of Jesus live out this resurrection day after day. We hold out the hope that all things are being made new and that by living out the ways of Jesus, our communities can be transformed into places of healing and hope and where justice and mercy are known rather than places of, of darkness where injustice reigns. We pray for our country. We pray for uh, we pray for all of the people who are in mourning right now, for all of the people who have lost loved ones, and we hope and pray that justice is done. In addition to, uh, in, in addition to our hopes and prayers, we go out and live the ways of Jesus in every interaction we have and ev with every person that we meet. In the life of our church this week, if you are listening to this before Sunday, the 18th of April, 2021, at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, we will be having curbside communion this week. Our church is located at the corner of 9th and John Adams Streets in Oregon City, Oregon. And on the 9th Street side of, uh, of the building, we will be serving the Lord's table Sunday from 11.30 to 12.30. You'll see a big blue uh, awning, uh, canopy. I don't know what its exact name is. Uh, we've been doing this for about six months now, and I still don't know what to call it. But it's big, and it's blue, and you'll see us standing under there. We'll have our masks on, our gloves on, and you don't get out of your car. You just pull up to the, the big blue tent-looking thing uh, where you see us standing. There are signs that say curbside communion, and you pull up. And we will serve the Lord's table with you. We will celebrate it with you. Um, if you want to bring your own uh, bread and juice, 
you are more than welcome to do that because I'll be honest, I have tasted the, the little cups that we have that we, we can provide for you, um, but the bread is not great and the juice might be worse. Uh, <laughs> so, so feel free to bring your own communion elements, but we do have things uh, that you can use there. Um, it is all safe according to COVID precautions. Also, don't forget, our church is working towards regathering in June. We are working out all of the details of the precautions and how it is that we'll meet. And things may look different than the last time we were, we were worshiping face-to-face -face, uh, over a year ago. But please be patient. Please have grace. Please know that uh, however our worship looks like, it will be good to be in the same room with each other again. It will be good to worship Jesus together. Though we are worshiping Jesus now through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's something about having God's people together for the reading of God's word, for the proclamation of God's word, for, uh, for lifting our voices together in praise of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we look forward to a time that we can do that. And we will be providing more details as we have them. But for now, may the presence of Christ be with you as we worship together this morning. Let us come before you in prayer. Dear Father, we humbly bow before you as we bring to you our prayers and petitions. We acknowledge you as creator of the universe, for we can see your handiwork in all of creation. We are blessed to have you in our lives. You gave us your only son to be our substitute, as he took upon himself all of our sins. Your plan for our salvation is the greatest example of love ever experienced in the universe. To have Jesus in our lives by confessing our sins and accepting your son, as our Lord and Savior prepares our hearts to someday be with him for all eternity. We love you, Lord, and long for the day when he will return. Help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be alert through studying your word, the Bible. You have told us in your word to prepare ourselves for your son's return, because no one knows when the Son of Man will return. As we prepare ourselves for his return, we need to witness to those around us by our words and actions. Help us to have the attitude that while we are here on earth, we will work to take as many as we can with us to spend eternity with your son. Father, you have the power to meet every need that we may have. Some of us are not well. Lord, I know you hear their cry to you and you are there with them. Give those who are sick courage to face their trial. Wrap them in your love as you carry out what your plan is for their life. Help them to put their faith and trust in you. Be with their families and give them strength as they care for their loved ones. Be with the medical professionals as they are responsible for their treatment. Be with others who have different needs. Help them to partner with you as they seek a solution to their problem. Help them follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Give them the realization they do not have to be on their own as you are more than willing and able to help them. Lord, be with our young church. 
This has been a very difficult year because of the pandemic. There is an uncertainty for the future for some of these kids. Lord, thank you for the leaders they have that they can talk to and interact with. Fill each with your Holy Spirit power as a minister to these kids. Lord, I pray for our church. We, the people, are the church. I ask that you bless each church member. I pray that when we regather, that it will be a time of joy and that the joy in our hearts will be lifted up to you in worship. Be with this CRT group as we are making plans for the time when we reconvene. Let our guide be the Holy Spirit, and if we let him guide, he will help us discern what is necessary for reconvening. Lord, you have protected us so far from the virus, and I am convinced that you will continue to protect us. Be with our pastor as he brings us a message from your word. May the power of the Holy Spirit be upon him. May our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. This week, let us remember that you are our shepherd providing our every need. You give us rest and guide us in paths of righteousness. You take away the fear of evil and your rod and staff protect and save us. You protect us from our enemies and our joy overflows from following you all the days of our life. May we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In your precious name, amen.
this is Penny Carroll, and I'm reading the scripture reading for April 18th, which is from the New International Version of the Bible, and it's John 20, 19 to 23. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So you're going on a road trip. You're going to get in your car and you are going to to take a trip. There are two questions that are helpful to answer uh, before you ever get in your car. One is, do you know where you're going? And two is, do you have the gas to get there? Because you might have the gas to go a very far away, but if you don't know where you're going, then all of that gas is could very easily be wasted. I mean, it is it is possible to um, to drive around your block for hours and hours upon end until you run out of gas. You know, you, you drive to uh, if you if you work, you drive to work, or you drive to the grocery store. You know, wh- wherever it is that you go, um, and eventually you're going to run out of gas just driving around your neighborhood. And so that wouldn't be much of a road trip. And you could have great aspirations. You could say, well, I'm going to to drive out to, um, I don't know, the southern coast of Oregon. You know, you, we're, we're going to drive down to uh, Port Orford, let's say. I, I know that is a town and that is on the southern coast of Oregon and that is far away. But if you only have gas to get you 10 miles, you're not going to make it to Port Orford unless you are willing to push your car for a very long distance. In life, we can ask ourselves the same two questions though, can't we? What, where are we going? Lots of people struggle with that question. You know, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? Do I matter? These are, these are common questions that humanity has asked themselves for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. We want to know where we're going. And what do you run on? What's your motivation? You know, the, the, a great, actually a not so great, but very common interview question is what gets you out of bed in the morning? What do you run on? What's your energy? What fuels you? What drives you? You know, you, every time the Olympics happen, they talk to these athletes and they, they, or they'll do like a little video segment on, on YouTube, or they'll, they'll put it on the television and it shows their training regimen, you know, and, and you'll have these Olympic swimmers that will spend hours and hours and hours in the pool, yet somehow they don't turn into like one giant wrinkle, um, 
I don't know, you know, I can shower for three minutes and my fingers are all pruny. I don't know how these Olympic swimmers do it. And they spend hours in the pool and they show what they eat and they're eating like trays and trays of food. Uh, I remember there was one Olympic swimmer from, from several years ago who ate like tens of thousands of calories per day because of how much she was in the pool um, and, and swimming and it's, it's hard work. What fuels you? Where are you going? These are questions that the disciples were asking themselves after Jesus's crucifixion. We've been working our way through John chapter 20. And so if you haven't caught up, well, you only have about 18 verses before you get to today. Uh, so you could pause this if you wanted to and go read those other 18 verses. But where we are today, the disciples are hiding. Jesus has been crucified. And as John and practically all of the gospel writers say at one point or another, uh, the disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying until after the resurrection or until after he had ascended into heaven. So here are the disciples and they have been told that Jesus is alive. Mary Magdalene has, has told them, I have seen the Lord and has given them the message from Jesus that he is ascending to his father and their father, to his God and their God, that there's a new thing that's going on here, a new relationship that's happening. But the disciples, it doesn't appear that they have listened. Because instead, what the disciples have done is they've hidden because they know how things work. Whenever there is a powerful, charismatic leader who had a big following, and one of his and and this leader has been executed the next thing they do is they go after the next ones in command to make sure that nobody else would rise up after them this is what the romans did and they were afraid that the jewish religious leaders were going to do the same thing to them and it's a natural fear you know if if you had just watched your uh, the person that you thought was going to be your salvation, be brutally murdered, and you thought that they were going to come after you, the same people who put him to death were going to come after you, you'd probably hide as well. I know I would. But yet, Mary has told them that Jesus is alive and that something new is happening. But still they hide. And you can imagine that these thoughts are running through their head. What's next? Where do we go from here? And how do we get there? Because they had been following Jesus around this whole time. They had been walking with Jesus and learning from Jesus. And at one point they, they go out and on their own two by two and do what Jesus had been doing. Well, now they don't know what to do. But then something new does indeed happen. In their midst, Jesus appears. That would have been a big surprise. Uh, if, if, I, if suddenly 
Jesus appeared behind me as I am, as I am saying this, as I am recording this, uh, this audio and video, um, I would be very surprised to see Jesus right there. It would not be a, oh, hey, Jesus, how'd you get in? It would be, ah, Jesus is here. How did this happen? And the disciples likely wondered the same thing. Because people who are dead, A, don't come back to life. And B, if somebody says that someone was resurrected, it didn't mean that they had appeared as a ghost. It didn't mean that they had appeared as a, as a vision or in a dream. Resurrected meant that their body was out of the grave and that they were standing in front of you. And here is Jesus standing in their midst. And in the midst of what I'm sure was chaos and, and disorder and, and some uh, you know, surprises in the disciples' midst, Jesus says, peace be with you. This is very significant because as we pointed out last week, John goes to great pains in his gospel to paint this image of new creation. That Jesus cries out on the cross on the sixth day, it is finished and Jesus dies. And Jesus rests in the tomb on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, following the pattern of Genesis chapter one. But then on the first day of the week, and this passage begins, verse 19 begins with on Sunday. Uh, some translations even say on the first day of the week. In the evening, Jesus appears to his disciples. Jesus is the first of the new creation. And he appears to them. And if somebody who you had seen murdered and put into the grave appears in front of you, you would want to make sure that your eyes weren't deceiving you, that out of your grief, you weren't imagining something. And Jesus almost anticipates this and shows them the wounds in his hands and his side. Jesus makes himself physically available to the disciples so that they can know that this is Jesus, that they don't have any shadow of a doubt that this is Jesus. Because Jesus's body is different now. Jesus's body is the heaven and earth body. Jesus's body is the resurrected body. And, and we could spend a lot of time talking about this and, and follow uh, this this thread in in of several different scriptures across the Gospels, across Paul's letters, where we we find out about this body that Jesus has, but that's not for today. That's for a different time. But Jesus's body is built for both heaven and earth. It's built for all of creation. It's built for this time that's coming in the future when heaven comes to earth, when God's kingdom is established in its fullness on earth because Jesus has died and resurrected so that 
earth could be purified and that heaven can come to earth through the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus's body doesn't have to respect the, the modes of the old creation. Jesus can appear in the midst of the disciples, but he is still a physical body. They can still reach out and touch Jesus. And then Jesus says again, peace be with you. The first two things Jesus says to his disciples, to this scared, hiding, frady cat bunch of people is peace be with you. The words of new creation are peace be with you. The first words that we see in Genesis 1, God says, let there be light. And John has said in his first chapter that it was through Jesus that these words were spoken. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And now the word has come and dwelled among us and we crucified him, but he has been raised from the dead by God. And now new creation is happening with the words, peace be with you. And Jesus also seems to anticipate their difficulty in knowing, in wondering where they're going and how they're going to get there. Jesus seems to know that they need a mission and that they need to be equipped for this mission. That if they're a car, they need a destination and they need gasoline. <clears throat> for people, we need something to do. We need to know what's happening next. One of the things that I think a lot of people have been anxious about over the past year or so of human history around the world <clears throat> is what's next. What is next, so to speak, going to look like? And how are we going to get there? Jesus tells the disciples what they're doing and how this is going to happen. Because the disciples and us are being spoken to directly by Jesus here. We are people of Jesus's mission. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's mission. Then he said, he breathes on them, which I can't imagine what that looks like. I don't have an imagination for this because if somebody were to come up to me and breathe on me, especially right now with a, an airborne virus going around uh, that's spread by breath, um, I, would, I don't think I would enjoy that unless it were Jesus. And Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Boom. Mission and the fuel for mission. Or as we might say, mission and equipping. Because we are followers of Jesus, because Jesus is Lord of us and Lord of this world, we are sent, we are living in the same mission as the disciples that Jesus spoke to. And we have the same fuel for mission, which is the Holy Spirit.
when we decide to follow Jesus, when we say Jesus is Lord and arrange our lives under the Lordship of Christ, this is, becomes our mission. And this becomes the, this, this breath of Jesus, this Holy Spirit that Jesus breathes is the fuel that we have for doing this mission. So Jesus says, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Let's think for a minute about what it is that Jesus was sent to do. Well, going to a different gospel, the gospel of Luke chapter four, Jesus stands up in his hometown of Nazareth and he gets the scroll of Isaiah and he reads where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the captives. Uh, and he, he goes on from there and he talks about the things that he was meant to do as the Messiah, that he was meant to do in his mission. Let me read that passage for you real quick. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is Jesus's mission. It's to set free people who are held under captivity of the dark powers in our world, who are set free under captivity of, of broken social systems that insist on holding them down. It's to proclaim justice. It's to do, it's to heal. It's to forgive. It's to love. It's to let people know that God is not angry with them, that God loves them. And God wants them to be whole and set free through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is what Jesus came to do. Jesus also came to give his life as a ransom for many. We find out in, in Mark chapter 10. And Jesus came to live a life that was sacrificial. Jesus came to live a life where he would lay down his life for the healing of the world and that he would suffer a humiliating death that would end up being a victory. We didn't know it at the time. The disciples didn't know it at the time, but we know this now. And this is what we as followers of Jesus are called to. We are called to set captives free. We are called to proclaim good news to the poor. We are called to bring freedom to the oppressed. We are called to heal the world sacrificially. We're called to live the life that Jesus lived and we're called to live it in complete surrender to God the Father, knowing that God wants the world to know that healing is out there, that healing is possible, that there's a new creation and that the ways of this world 
the, the social and economic ways of this world that hold people down, that keep people in captivity, that are set up for the rich to get richer and make sure that the poor stay poor, that are to make sure that people stay in particular places and are not allowed to reach the level of thriving. We as followers of Jesus are called to break those chains. We are called to go to the hurting and the broken people of this world. The ones who have been ripped apart by addiction, the ones who have been ripped apart by grief, the ones <clears throat> who struggle through mental health difficulties, the soldiers who have been sent over to fight somebody else's war and have come home broken and with PTSD, we are called to bring healing to those people because this is the mission of Jesus. And so if we are disciples of Jesus, we pick up where Jesus left off. That's the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts and you see all of these powerful things that the early church did, they took this message of, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, and they ran with it. They kept doing all of the things that they had seen Jesus do. And this is what we are called to do as well. And Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If I try to do all of the things that Jesus did, but I separate out the Holy Spirit, you would be successful at doing some good for a while but you wouldn't necessarily be doing it in the posture that, you, that Jesus did it. You wouldn't be doing it in the form of a servant. You wouldn't be doing it in a sacrificial way that recognized that there's a new creation breaking into this world through the Lordship of Christ. And in fact, what you thought you might be doing as help might just be participating and perpetuating in broken social systems that have put the people that you're trying to help into that situation. You might just be doing things to make yourself feel better, but that don't have an eye on what healing, true healing through Jesus Christ really is. And that's why Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, because it's the same Holy Spirit that is the resurrection power that called Jesus out of the grave that morning. Jesus gives them the resurrection power to go and do this mission. They have the destination. <clears throat> they have the directions. Now they've got the fuel. Because they can't go do all these things just on their own energy and on their own accord. When we're serving Jesus, when our lives are purely and wholly built, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly built <clears throat> to love and serve Jesus, then the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning, the thing that keeps us going, the thing that picks us up when the, the brokenness of the world knocks us down is the Holy Spirit. The thing that gives us the energy to, to love and serve Jesus 
in the face of the violence of the world is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God living in us. We become temples of God and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we love and serve Jesus and carry out his mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on to say what another part, a particular piece of this mission is the forgiveness of sins. And we can't get bogged down here thinking that this is just an individual thing. When somebody wrongs us, do we work for forgiveness? Yes. Because if there's one thing that I've learned about forgiveness, it is easy to say, I forgive you. It is a hundred times harder to live that out. Sometimes forgiveness is work. But we're also talking about forgiveness of sin, of big ass sin, of the brokenness that the world lives in. And when people give up their ways of brokenness, when, when systems and, and broken modes of our society turn towards healing and, uh, and these chains are broken in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we offer forgiveness because we go forth into our whole world living out the love and mercy and healing of Jesus Christ, offering forgiveness in place of brokenness and offering a way back to God to make this relationship right again. And when repentance happens, we extend forgiveness. And Jesus says this, this other part, if sins, if you do not forgive sins, they will not be forgiven. Or in, in some tra translations, it says they will be retained. And, and throughout Jesus's ministry, he acknowledges that there are people who are perfectly happy in their brokenness. They are broken people who are profiting off of their, their own brokenness. They're making money off the backs of the poor. They are, they are making money off of people being constantly thrown into prison with impossibly long prison sentences. And that these broken systems may not repent of their brokenness. Broken people may not repent of their brokenness. And until they're ready to embrace the Lordship of Jesus that brings healing and wholeness, they will retain their sins. And they'll be dealt with by God. We know as followers of Jesus that our mission is to live as Jesus in the world. And we know that we do this through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that called Jesus out of the grave. And let me make it very practical for you this morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're listening to this. Let me make it immensely practical for you. Go into the world and live like Jesus did. If that means loving and forgiving yourself first, do it. If that means loving and forgiving somebody who lives in your house, do it. If that means loving and forgiving and healing a relationship with your next door neighbor, 
do it. We sometimes think that we have to take on the whole world by ourselves all the time, and we don't. That's what the church is for. The church is God's people together living out the life of Christ and showing what it looks like for a new society, a new community to be built on the Lordship of Christ, to be living out the Lordship of Christ as the new people of God. And we do this individually and we do this as a group, but we need to get to work. We need to get to work in loving, in healing, in forgiving, in breaking chains, in acknowledging the Lordship of Christ wherever we go and welcoming this new creation through the power of the Holy Spirit in all of the broken places that we go.
We come now to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And if you are listening to this before the 18th of April, 2021, at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, we invite you to join us at the 9th Street side of First Baptist Church uh, for curbside communion. As I said earlier, you don't have to get out of your car. In fact, you don't get out of your car. Uh, we serve the Lord's Supper to you in your car. Um, we do not have a Zoom coffee hour this week. And so if you are not able to make it to curbside communion, uh, we will be celebrating the Lord's table together uh, right now on this podcast. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from east and west, from north and south, to sit at the table of the kingdom of God. When our risen Lord was at the table with his disciples, he took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust in him to share the feast as he has prepared. So now following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and the cup, the ordinary things of this world, which Christ will use for extraordinary purposes. In this, we proclaim our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Living God, let your Holy Spirit move in power over us that receiving this bread and cup would truly be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ that we may become one in him. In your name we pray, amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in joyful reflection on what on all Christ has done for us, take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Looking back at what Christ has done for us on the cross and looking forward to drinking this cup anew with him in the age to come, take and drink. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, 
you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than for Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross so my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God We thank you for joining us for worship today. And if you are interested in living this Christ-shaped life, this life of following Jesus that is filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're wondering what your purpose is in life, it is to love and serve Jesus and live under his lordship through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're wondering about that, please get in touch with us. Our church email address is baptist.church at comcast.net. And our church website is the numeral one baptistchurch.org. Again, that's one baptistchurch.org. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance, our church pianist, for uh, our prelude. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our director of worship and youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Readers for our creative scripture readings. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.